Good morning to each one. Last Sunday I said I had no idea what I would preach, and I asked for some suggestions, and you all came with some suggestions, and they were good ones, but I needed more than a week. <laughs> some of them were fairly tough, but they were all good. And so I thank you for that, and I definitely have them in the back of my head. But as you know, tomorrow is Labor Day. And so for a message, I thought I would share a few thoughts on work or labor. The title I chose for this message is, Why Work? Why Work? So first of all, what is Labor Day about? In a nutshell, Labor Day pays tribute to the contributions and achievements of American workers and is traditionally observed on the first Monday in September. It was created by the labor movement in the late 19th century and became a federal holiday in 1894. Labor Day weekend also symbolizes the end of summer for many Americans and is celebrated with parties, street parades, and athletic events. And so that is what Labor Day is about. If you think about it, Labor Day is an interesting holiday. We call it Labor Day. However, on Labor Day, many Americans will try to do as little as possible. Labor Day will mean different things for different people. For many of us men here, it's a day off from work. For many of you ladies, it's a day of extra work dealing with both the children and the husband for the day. For the law enforcement, it's a hectic day. Extra traffic on the road, looking out for drunk drivers. For the farmer and rancher, it's another day of feeding cows and working in the fields. For myself, Labor Day marks the end of summer. Summer vacations are done. School is back in session. Fall is around the corner. The beginning of a brand new hunting season. Dove season begins on the first Saturday of September or Labor Day, whichever comes first. And then my birthday is September 8. It's just around the corner. And so that's what I think about when I think about Labor Day. Now, some people hate to work. Some people love to work. Some people go to great lengths to avoid work. Some people work too much. And while there are many different attitudes towards work, one thing remains constant, work must be done. Since the Garden of Eden, everyone has worked or depended on someone else's work for survival. And so work occupies much of our thinking. Work dominates many of our conversation. Work often dictates where we live. Work often determines many of our friendships and our work often influences our relationships with others. 
And so we cannot ignore the fact the work we do is a very important part of our life. Labor is part of the God-designed human experience. I want to read now some verses as we think about that. Labor is part of the God-designed human experience. I'm not going to ask you to turn to them, but you can just listen as I read. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Exodus 31.15, the Lord God, I'm sorry, work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is a Sabbath of rest. Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Proverbs 21:25, The desire of the lazy man kills him, for his hand refuses to labor. Romans 12, 9 through 13. Let love be, with hypo- let love be without hypocrisy. Ahore what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10, For even when we were with you, We commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. These verses show us clearly that labor is part of the God-designed human experience. Someone has written, there are four kinds of bones in this world. There are four kinds of bones in this world. Listen up. Wishbones, who spend their time wishing someone else would do the work. Jawbones, who do all the talking but very little else. Knucklebones, who knock everything that anyone else is trying to do. And then backbones, who shoulder the load and actually do the work. It's amusing, but unfortunately, it's true. (laughs) You probably know four such people in your life. Turn to Colossians chapter three. I'd like to look at two familiar verses in Colossians three. You probably know these verses by heart. Colossians 3.23 And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart, 
as working for the Lord. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who you are serving. It's a sad fact, but the church in our society today, for the most part, has divided economics and religion into categories. Business is business, we say, with its own set of rules and values. And religion is religion with another set of rules and values. And so on one hand, as Sunday Christians, we are influenced by the values and commands of God. But back to work on Monday, we are influenced by the values and rules of men. Spiritual principles that apply on Sunday no longer apply on Monday. It would seem that Paul is saying here in Colossians 3, these worlds do not need to be in conflict because the work we do should not be done just for men, but rather it ought to be done as to the Lord. Three times Paul refers to the Lord. Notice the verse again with me. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Business, as to the Lord. Work, as to the Lord. Whatever we do, as to the Lord. And so God has a clear perspective on work and what it should include. What we must do is align our thoughts with his. I want to consider now eight biblical principles of work. Eight biblical principles of work. Why work? Number one, work is ordained by God. We already talked about that some. But work is his creative invention from the beginning. The the Bible declares to us in Genesis chapter 2 that God worked. And you can turn there if you would like. Genesis 2, 1 through 2. We have a couple verses to look at in Genesis here in these first several points. But work is ordained by God. Genesis 2, 1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. And so by working, we as humans resemble God. Like God, we have the ability to work. Like God, we have the ability to make plans and implement them. By God, we can be creative. And additionally, God gave us the task of ruling over and taking care of his creation. And so work is ordained by God. The Bible says, if any will not work, neither should he eat. And so off to work we go. Point number two, work is for a lifetime. If you're there in Genesis, turn over to chapter three. We'll look at verse 19. Work is for a lifetime, and notice what this verse says. 
in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. <laughs> I don't know how it could be any clearer, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. God intended that humans are to work as long as they live. Meaningful activity plays a critical role in being a human being. Whether it's paid work or whether it's volunteer work. Work gives us purpose. Work gives us a focus. The magical age of 65 shouldn't end meaningful, purposeful work. And you know, in my work, I meet customers who are retired, who have finally reached retirement. And for the most part, they seem like, like they're lost puppies. They just don't know what to do with their life. And some are trying, you know, I'm going to get into this now, and that's not bringing satisfaction, and I'm going to do this now. And I, I feel sorry for such people. And I'm just thinking, you know, if you could just have some kind of a job or even a volunteer job or work or some kind of purpose, you would probably feel so much better about yourself. So I feel sorry for such folks because work is for a lifetime. The Bible tells us that. And so when folks stop working, they lose their purpose. They, they just don't feel good about themselves. And um, the world tells us it's all different than that, but it's, it's not really true. I look forward to the time when I don't have as much responsibility, <laughs> but I don't think I ever want to quit working. I enjoy it too much, maybe too much sometimes. All right, let's go on to uh, number three. Work is not a punishment. Now, I know us parents sometimes are guilty of making work a punishment or using work as a punishment, but God did not create work as drudgery, but as a gift of fulfillment to life. A human being can do nothing better than find satisfaction in his life's work. Turn over to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I'd like to read 24 through 26. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 24. Nothing is better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. For who can eat or who can have enjoyment more than I? For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight, but to the sinner he gives the work of gathering and collecting that he may give to him who is good before God. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. And so to be able to work is a blessing. It's a blessing from God. It's not a punishment. And I think us parents need to be careful that we don't use work as a punishment. I, I think that might be teaching our children the wrong thing. Work is something we can go do and, and it's enjoyable. It's something that 
brings satisfaction. We don't, um, it's not meant to be a punishment. Number four, work has three purposes. A, to provide money or resources to supply the necessities of life. B, to provide for a quality of life and the satisfaction of doing a job well. C, to serve God by blessing those in need. And I invite you to 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12. 4, 11 and 12. As we think of work having three purposes. Just some good practical advice. First, First Thessalonians 4.11, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk properly towards those who are outside, and that you may lack nothing. And then Ephesians 4.28, let me read that. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. And so those scriptures bring out work and the three purposes of it. It provides money or resources for the necessity of life for the quality of life, for the satisfaction of doing a job well. And then it also gives us opportunity to bless others, to give to those who are in need. Point number five, work calls for obedience for both the employee and the employer. I invite you to Ephesians chapter 6. I'd like to read 5 through 9. First, I'll just mention something to the employee, and then we'll talk a little bit to the employer. Ephesians 6, starting at verse 5. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart, as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone else, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And so, even when the boss isn't looking, a good worker is consistent and diligent to the task and loyal to the organization. Because as you see, the real boss is Jesus Christ. And so employees, see your service as to him, as to Jesus Christ, not simply your employer. Employers, too, should treat employees with respect and fairness, just like they themselves would want to be treated. Notice verse 9. 
And you masters, do the same things to them. Giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. And so these verses reminds us, it reminds the employees that you're serving Jesus Christ. And it reminds the employer that your master is Jesus Christ. And so work calls for obedience for both the employee and the employer. Number six, work should be done with excellence. As we just read in Ephesians 6, we are to render service as to the Lord and not to men. Not to be men pleasers, but God pleasers. God's standard of excellence needs to be the human standard. And let's read from Titus chapter 2, verse 7 and verse 8. As we think about doing our job to the best of our ability. That's really what we're saying when we're talking about work being done with excellence. We're talking about giving it our best shot. And so we have the verse in Titus 2, 7, and 8, in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that the one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Now this is talking more from a spiritual sense, but I think we can apply it to our physical work as well. Work should be done with excellence, to the best of our ability. For what purpose? Again, to bring glory to God. Point number seven, work is honorable. All professions and all kinds of work, assuming they are legal and biblically ethical, are honorable before the Lord. There is no difference, really, in sacred or secular work. All work brings glory to God and fulfillment to you if it is done to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And so work, too, is honorable if it is done to God's glory. Point number eight, work provides an opportunity for witness. In our work, we manifest a powerful message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, both verbal and nonverbal, of a supernatural approach to work. And that speaks to people. Our world today needs this powerful witness to the reality of Christ and the difference that it makes in his followers. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Work provides an opportunity for witness. Our jobs 
are like our mission field. It's where we witness. It's where we show Christ to the world around us. And so the challenge is for you, the challenge is for me, are we taking this opportunity seriously? Are we using it to share Christ's love to those around us? I know many of you are. So today, what is your attitude about work? The Bible shows us that God has a clear perspective on work and what it should include. And so does your thoughts and your attitudes about work align with God? That's the challenge for us this morning. Now up to this point, we have been thinking about our physical work, our jobs, what we do for a living. However, for us as Christian people, not only do we have our jobs that require much mental and physical work, but we also have a work to do in the kingdom of God. And trying to juggle work responsibilities and the kingdom work can be a real challenge at times. I'm thankful today that in kingdom work, we are laborers together with God. We are workers together with him. We shoulder the work together. And what a blessing that is. In John chapter 6, the disciples come to Jesus, and they're asking Jesus, what should we do that we may work the works of God? What shall we do that we may work the works of God? You know, there's a part of our Christian life that is very much brotherhood, uh, laboring together, but there's a part of the Christian life, as you know, that is very personal. The buck stops with you. And so the question is, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Turn to John 28, and we'll read through verse 40. And we will see what Jesus had to say to his disciples and what he's saying to us today. John 6, 28. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? That sounds like a legitimate question, does it not? But see what the answer is. Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God 
is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I shall lose nothing, but shall raise it up at the last day. Notice verse 40. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, this morning? And of course we'll say, well, yes, I believe that since I was a child. But do you believe in Jesus Christ and what he can do and in what he is doing? Do you believe in him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy? It is our work, folks, to believe. Do you believe if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. Do you believe in him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think? according to the power that works in us. Folks, it is our work to believe. Do you believe that your light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceedingly an eternal weight of glory? Do you believe my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You see, to believe in Christ and to be a Christian takes much mental effort. Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. And so in closing, Work is temporary. Labor on this earth is just for a time. We sing that old gospel song, we'll work till Jesus comes. And so it is. Hebrews 4, 9, 10, and 11 say, There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he, Jesus, who has entered his rest, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, 
lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. There remains a rest for the people of God, a rest that is far beyond anything that this world has to offer. The rest we are looking for is found in Jesus Christ. And so Hebrews says, labor to enter into that rest. And so, dear people, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. God bless. We'll call for a song.